Like most publishers, CNN is looking at implementing some kind of paywall. But Andrew Morse, executive vice president of CNN in the U.S. and general manager of CNN Digital Worldwide, believes in mostly maintaining free access for the site and instead developing a variety of paid products targeted to specific parts of the CNN audience. I'm Brian Morrissey, and this is the Digiday Podcast. On today's episode, I talk to Andrew about how CNN is thinking about reader revenue, why platforms are eating publishers' lunch out in the ad market, and much more. Okay, so we're coming into the end of the year. It's Q4. Good year, bad year? Great year. Great year. Give me the case that it was a great year, because a lot of people had bad years. Look, for us, uh, 2018 was a year about really focusing in on priorities and where we wanted our business to be. 2017 was a was a tumultuous year for us. We uh, went through a lot of change, went through a lot of growth. Uh, we entered this year really focusing in on what our key priorities were. And when you do that, uh, it tends to, when you focus in on key priorities, uh, it tends to yield great results. So for us, um, it was a year of recalibration. Uh, a year of focus and a year of pretty positive results. Let's talk about the recalibration because 2016, you did you did some right sizing, I think they call it these days. Um, you guys expanded quite a bit, and then you cut back in some areas, right? Yeah, I would I would frame it a little bit differently. I mean, we're in a constant state of growth. CNN Digital's you know in in the midst of a of a of a pretty significant growth period because that's what CNN worldwide needs it to be. We need to lead the charge of this of this era of growth. So we'd expanded quite a bit in 2015, 2016, and so yeah, as we went through last year, entered the beginning of this year, we decided that we needed to really fine tune our focus, fine tune where we were investing, and uh, and so we did that. So what were then the bets that you were making, the big bets? Well, the big bets increasingly going forward for us are, you know, one, in the strength of the CNN brand globally, um, domestically, overseas. We know that we have a pretty strong brand. We knew that there is an opportunity and there is a significant conversation on politics. So we focused our attention on politics there, which, which obvious, for obvious reasons has been important for us. We re imagined and relaunched CNN business. It had been called CNN Money. It was a remnant of the old uh, uh, Time Inc. days. And we completely transformed it and relaunched it as a new brand uh, to really focus in on what business is today. You know, the story of business today is about technology, innovation, uh, the future of business, mm -hmm. what's happening in Silicon Valley. So we relaunched that as a new brand. We also really focused pretty intently on tools, capabilities, rebuilding our product and technology organizations to be able to support uh, all the expansion that we need to do and to be able to support a new product development roadmap. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the product development roadmap. Well, look, part of it gets back to, it's, it's beyond getting back to basics. You know, there's never been a more important time, arguably, for journalism than there is right now. We're living through extraordinary times, and the responsibility CNN has to the audience both, by the way, in the U.S. and outside the U.S., is tremendous. But the reality is you can't just be a great journalism organization anymore. You need to invest, along with investing in great journalism and journalists, you need to invest in technology and infrastructure. So we have a new uh, chief product officer, Rohit Agarwal, who has really brought uh, some fundamentals to our business in terms of the tools, capabilities, um, technology that you need it's not about what's the next big product with a capital p sometimes mm -hmm. it's really about the pathway towards getting there so we've we've built a discipline into our 
uh, into our business now that involves more of a test and learn environment that enables us to get a sense of what our audience is engaging with and how mm-hmm. uh, to be able then to build a roadmap towards a towards a broader future. Give an example of that. So take politics as an example. Uh, we have had for the last three or four years running the single largest political site in CNN politics that there is. But it's really about reporting the news, telling stories, producing videos, and putting them on a website or an app. Mm-hmm. Uh, increasingly, when we think about politics, we need to think about it as tools and utilities to be able to have users come to the site. And in addition to reading stories and engaging with our journalism, uh, to be able to engage more specifically in a more personalized experience around, for example, who your representative is or the issues that you care the most about. And again, to build a ultimately technology and capabilities and, and content recommendation tools so that when our users come to the site, we understand their behaviors more and we're able to tailor you know, the experiences to them. What we've done with the Magic Wall, for example, on TV mm-hmm. in creating or beginning to envision a digital experience to go along with it is the kind of capability that we need to build to enrich the experience of our political audiences. So let's let's talk about politics for a little bit because we have to. Um, today, earlier today, Jim Acosta got his got his pass to the White House back. Um, the president attacks CNN frequently, um, but this is good for business, right? Leave aside the journalist the journalist hat for a second. There, I mean, this there is. A, a, there is a part of this theater that that is absolutely helpful, right? I don't think we look at it through that lens. I think again, I think we look at it a little bit differently. Um, audiences are really interested right now in what's going on in Washington, and look, CNN has a responsibility, a really important responsibility, to report the news and to tell the truth, right? You know, we're not we're not out to represent one side or the other. We're not out to pick fights or start fights. Uh, we're out to tell the truth. And when we do, uh, audiences seek us out. So yeah, we have we have seen record audiences on television. We've seen record audiences on digital. But we don't look at it as being good for business. We look at it as are doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. But at, while doing your jobs, it's good for business. Audience? I mean, there's more engagement. There's sure. more engagement. There, there's more at. engagement in the news. Look, everywhere across cable television, across digital platforms, it's a really important engaging time for journalism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's from a business perspective, the audiences are certainly there. Yet at the same time, there is pressure on, from brands around quote unquote brand safety. I put it in quotes because it, it's defined in various ways. And you know, we had this media buying summit uh, last month and it came up that politics for many clients right now is not brand safe. They just don't want to be, they don't want to be near it because while there's a ton of engagement, that engagement sometimes takes the form of, of rage or, or other emotions that maybe don't make you the most receptive to a, a new, a new dishwashing detergent or something. <laughs> Look, for sure. Look, a, a brand in, in, in a polarized climate, right? Brands certainly have to be worried about alienating half their audiences. And, and I understand that. We understand that. But we work very closely, though, in trying to figure out, again, how to please the audiences. Audiences are incredibly engaged on our platforms right now. And they're coming to us, again, not for a particular partisan point of view. We really steer away from that. CNN doesn't do that. I think the brand safety conversation has so many layers to it, right? Mm-hmm. That there are concerns that the platforms aren't brand safe, which, by the way, valid concern, as we've learned, especially in recent days, they aren't. Um, 
there are concerns about the news cycle. The, the brand safety argument, it's the same thing. Brands don't want to be close to plane crashes. Brands don't want to be close to politics. That's, that's how it's always gone. What brands do want, though, is they want a highly engaged, highly interested, highly loyal audience. Over 50% of our audience comes directly to us every day. Not through search, not through social. They seek out CNN.com. So when you think about brand safety, what it really means is you have an audience that trusts you. And so we're finding a number of different ways through the kinds of content we create, the way in which we're approaching our product experiences so that we can appeal to brands. Um, and also you have to be willing to do more than politics. Does that mean it's not as much of a challenge then for when advertisers saying, I don't want to be near the politics stuff when the politics stuff is, is what's getting the most engagement? Well, again, there are different ways to engage with our platforms. I mean, it's we CNN Business is a perfect example. You know, we have a business site with a dedicated audience who's coming to us for business news, uh, separate from the general CNN digital audience. So we have different products, CNN Business being one, that appeal mm -hmm. to different audience subsets. But no, again, the engagement on our platforms... Um, both through programmatic and through direct advertising, continues to be strong. It doesn't mean that we don't have to sit down and have conversations about brand safety concerns or look for ways to address it, but it's something that we're doing proactively to try to explain to brands the quality of our audience, the level of engagement that our audience has, and also uh, the different products mm -hmm. that we have to appeal to them in different ways. So explain a little bit the, the launch of CNN Business. This um, succeeded CNN Money, which was a funny creature from, from a different era, really. Um, but explain what the, uh, what the strategy is there. Well, I look at it this way. If you're covering business, if you were in the 1980s, right, you're covering auto manufacturers in Japan and you're covering the auto industry here and you're covering Lee Iacocca and you're covering all Ford. this you know to be honest some days it's sort of back to the future because we're talking about like trade wars and tariffs oh, yeah. and stuff like this so oh completely but 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 you're really you're covering the autos you're covering heavy industry if you're covering the 90s you're really covering it was more of a financial story and you're yeah. covering the rise of of uh you know the financial institutions and the banks you're covering 2020 or you're covering uh business in in the early 2000s uh, just at the turn of the century and it's even more heavily geared towards you're covering the goldmans and then you're covering 2008 it was really a financial story and it was a market story business today uh business today is about innovation and it's about technology we're not a tech site but the reality is to cover business today, you mm -hmm. need to be able to cover Apple and Google and Amazon and Facebook and the changing uh, the changing economy. And by the way, what traditional companies are doing now, whether it's Ford or GM or GE, uh, to adapt to these changing times. So we're really focusing our lens on those sectors of the economy as opposed to just mm -hmm. trying to be a catch-all business site. But it's a, it's a crowded area. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of sort of general business, you know, just focused on business. So what, 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 did you, what do you think is the sort of differentiation that you can bring in there? Well, I think that's the problem. There are a lot of general business sites. And again, I, I worked at Bloomberg for a while, so we yeah. know this space pretty well. And I think there are a couple of places, I'd say Bloomberg and Reuters, that really cover finance really well mm -hmm. or cover every aspect of, of business and finance for a yeah. very particular Very markets-driven. Yeah, very markets-driven. They do that very well. They're personal finance sites that you know really cover personal finance or personal investing pretty well. Um, there, there are outlets that cover economics really well or cover markets really well. We're not trying to do all of those things. We're focused very 
specifically on what we think is the key business story of the day uh, for a particular audience that's looking uh, for a particular kind of information. Okay. So for the business model standpoint, um, a lot of people have been on this podcast this year talking about diversifying revenues away from display advertising in particular, but advertising in general. So it's the sort of the year of the, the pivot to paid, if you will. It seems like every every week or so a new a new paywall or meter comes out from from a publisher. How are you guys seeing the business model? Because it's a different it's different business when you when you're you know not just digital, you've got TV too. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, we we need to figure out how to diversify our revenue models for sure. I think an ad supported, a wholly ad supported business model ultimately is not scalable or sustainable. We're fortunate enough to still have a, a pretty healthy, a very healthy advertising business, mm-hmm. both domestically and internationally. Uh, but we need to be more than that. So we are thinking about new ways and new products, new relationships uh, to be able to connect to the audiences. Again, mm-hmm. it all begins with who your audience is, how they engage with your, your content. I think the answer isn't, to me, the answer isn't a paywall. You know, a paywall is something I think. Well, that, what is a paywall? The, I mean, these days a paywall can take many different forms. Well, look, there there are newspapers I think that have put up paywalls to get users to log in to gate content, and I think it gets really frustrating. I think if you're a passionate user of a product, and all of a sudden you want to log in to read a story because you really want it, and they're forcing you to give them money at a particular point in time, it's a terrible user experience. I don't think that's serving anybody. We're not envisioning a scenario where anything that we're currently creating, we're going to put up a wall between us and our users. I just don't think that makes sense. What th- does? Well, I think what we can do and what we need to do is think about additive experiences, different relationships. Again, if you think about the about tools and utilities and capabilities that enrich the experiences, whether it's uh, in the business frame, it could be calculators, tools, utilities, specific information that can lead to actionable decisions and politics. Mm -hmm. Again, whether it's uh, a more personalized experience, whether they're experiences that connect you more intimately with our talent, uh, whether they're experiences that that tie to uh, some sort of additive content experience. We don't have all the answers yet because we've just begun to begin Mm -hmm. testing to figure out what those relationships look like. But it sounds like it's more along the lines of membership also in quotes, um, which is less about like parceling out content, but by creating a different uh, relationship with people to get with your most passionate um, members of your audience, right? I think I think you phrase it really well. I think you need to create a different kind of relationship with your most passionate audiences, mm-hmm. and and I use audiences plural because I think in the past. Outlets have tended to think about their audiences as a monolith. We have yeah. one audience, right? I don't think that that's the case anymore. People come to CNN for many different things. Some people come for breaking news. Some people come for politics. Some people come mm-hmm. for business. Some people come for travel. Some people come for wellness. When you begin to understand those audiences and why they come to you and why they're engaging and what they're engaging with, you can begin to envision different kinds of product experiences that serve them more intimately, both on the platforms that we have today but also in the kinds of products that you would buy for them. But I guess the risk then would be you would have 10 different products, you know, along some lines of membership and it would just be confusing. Why would that be confusing? I mean, because just from a a, a product standpoint, the cleanest cleanest model to me would seem like is the same model for everyone. Like there's only, 
you know, I mean, the New York Times has the advantage of having a fairly clean model when it comes to how they extract money directly from from their audience. But there are multiple products. So the New York Times is making, I think, a third the- of their revenue in digital subs from crosswords and recipes. Right. So it's not one product. There are that's people true. who come to them just for crosswords and recipes. There are other people who come to them for the news. And I, I think that's, you know, when you pick up the Sunday New York Times, and I, by the way, I still do, and I read the hard copy every Sunday, and it's terrific. I read it, and the first thing I pull out is, you know, I pull out the travel section, I pull out the food section, I pull out the book section, and I read all those before I even get to the news. And that's a, it's a much different user behavior than when you're going and mm-hmm. digging in Monday through Friday looking for the headlines. So you can imagine having several different subscription products. Conceivably, all that ladder up to the CNN brand. I think, again, to me, it comes down to product and technology and data. If your audience is coming in and on a scalable platform, mm-hmm using scalable technology, um, making a series of decisions about how to engage with your properties, mm-hmm. we ought to know enough about them. And when I say no, we ought to know enough about them through machine learning to be able to take the content that we have and target it to the right audiences so that you're actually getting what you yeah. want. And it's why you need to marry the journalism with the product Right, experience. and you have a sizable enough audience that you can find pockets that are pretty big. For sure. To try to convert. So the, that that's the power of CNN. It's the advantage that we have over a lot of other news organizations is that we are the number one digital news source, no matter how you want to cut us, in terms of in terms of uh, multi-platform uniques, in terms of video views, globally, in terms of millennials. Scale in and of itself is, is, is an incomplete picture today, though. But because the audience is so big, we understand there are a lot of different cohorts coming to us for a lot of different things. So whether that's thought leadership, whether it's global news, whether it's politics, whether it's business, um, we see these opportunities and that's what we're beginning to model out. Mm -hmm. But unless you, again, unless you build that foundation in data and in product and technology, then you have to reinvent the wheel. And then to your point, it gets gets to be a Frankenstein product experience. Um, Will we see this in 2019? You'll see iterations of it. How much of it is visible to the public? that remains to be seen. I, I, I use the comparison today. It's a little bit like like trying to experiment with new new pharmaceutical products, new drugs, right? You don't just say we've got a cure for cancer and deliver it to the marketplace. You begin to do clinical studies, you begin to test, you begin to learn, you begin, you have hypotheses and you test them and you see how they work and you learn from them and then you move forward and the ones that are successful, you build upon them. When something's really successful, you double down on it and ultimately that leads you to a place where you have a breakthrough. And I think, again, that's counter to the way a lot of people in the content business typically works. Producers think of the next big shiny object, the next show, the next site. And we're really trying to change the way in which we approach these problems because I think the way to get there is to iterate. Right. I want to take a quick break here if you like this podcast, and I do hope you do. Um, then you should also check out Digiday Live. This is our podcast where we bring you the very best sessions from our many summits around the world. We regularly feature conversations with media executives like Jean-Christophe DeMarta from The New York Times and Anna Bateson from The Guardian. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Digiday Live. Now back to my conversation with Andrew. So what are the big priorities then for 2019? You know, look, for us, I, I come back to the notion that it's a critically important time for journalism. So in order for our journalism to reach the people it needs to reach 
the most powerful way that it can, we're going to invest heavily in our product, our technology, our data capabilities. That is more important than ever. And we're going to do it globally. We think that for us, uh, it's equally important to think about our audiences outside of the United States as it is to think about our audiences inside the United States. So you'll see us again beginning to learn more about who's engaging with our products, how they're engaging with our products, and building tools to reach them more effectively. Taking CNN business and continuing to grow that and establish that as a real industry-leading player, especially at a critical time in business, is really important for us. That's a priority. Uh, continuing to build on the success of CNN politics remains a major priority. And you're going to see, again, product iterations to go along with the exceptional journalism. And video remains um, at the center of all that we do. We mm -hmm. are unquestionably the worldwide leader in, in, in digital video news, uh, and both through our daily digital video products, through uh, our CNN Digital Productions, which is our longer form efforts, through Great Big Story, which is our, our independent storytelling company, you'll see us continue to invest and iterate in our video products mm -hmm. as well. Are you less focused on platforms than you were, say, two years ago? We're more focused on platforms, but in a very different way. I think we're constantly reevaluating our relationship to those platforms. I'm most interested in our platform. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, we've got, we've again, we have the luxury of having 50% of our audience coming directly to us. And I think you look at the platforms, you, you look at them through a couple different lenses. One is, uh, are they creating the right kinds of experiences to serve our audiences? And I've always thought about it, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or any of the other platforms about they're not their audiences. They're our audiences. It's a CNN audience. And are we serving them well by being on that platform? And I think there's a very strong argument to make that uh, over the course of the last few months, we've learned that that's not always the case. And then there's the monetization question, which has always been out there. Are we able to monetize the work that we're doing on those platforms? And in some cases, we are. And when we can, and when it's a good user experience that serves our audiences and there's a good revenue opportunity, we're happy to work with the platforms. Mm -hmm. When it's not serving our audience as well, we're not particularly interested in them. Give me one example of each. One example of a, a platform product or initiative that completely works based on that criteria and one that you found just didn't work based on that criteria. Well... So, so I think a good example is uh, the show that we are doing for the Facebook Watch platform, AC Full Circle, mm -hmm. which uh, to date we've been very pleased with. It's a, it's a daily show that we produce for that platform that Anderson is very engaged with. Uh, we're happy with the audience engagement. We're happy with the quality of the program. We're happy with the level of monetization. It's worked well for us. More important than any of that, though, is we've learned a lot. And I think in the process, we've turned the tables a little bit. It used to be that the platforms would come to us when they would have an idea or they'd have mm -hmm. a priority and they'd say, hey, can you devote some time, attention, money, and resources and build us something that we can use? And by the way, we're not going to pay you for it. Uh, and then we'll see if it works. And then we'll essentially open it up to everybody else. <laughs> and we did because we had the resources and we thought it was important from a an innovation perspective to do that. We're not so much interested in doing that anymore. So for the Facebook Watch, we're producing a daily show. We put resources into it. We collect a check that we fear gives us, we feel gives us fair value for that product. And we've learned what it takes to produce a daily vertical video show 
of that length for that audience with that level of interactivity. So we're actually using the platforms now mm-hmm. uh, to test and to learn and to build. And I think that'll lead to innovation on our own platforms. Okay. So that's an example of how one works. Let's, let's get to the fun one, one that didn't. Well, I, I think it's harder to say like one didn't work because- <laughs> You must have walked away from something. Well, look, we've walked away from a lot of things and, and in part, you know, timing in life is everything. So we built a show uh, with Snapchat uh, last year. And around this time, we decided to walk away from that show. We did because we weren't sure that there was a commitment from the platform to support it. We weren't sure there was a commitment from the platform because their priorities seemed to shift. Mm -hmm. At the time, we didn't think that there was a reasonable path to monetization with that platform. So we had put significant resources in. Uh, We thought it was okay. Uh, we didn't see a long-term future. And we said, you know what? We're going to walk away and we're going to look for other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Part of part of it's timing. Part of it is uh, you have to be aligned with what the priorities of the platforms are. What would it take to go back? Just better monetization mostly? A plan. A plan and partnership. plan would help. <laughs> look, a plan and partnership. Yeah. If, if a platform came to us and said, hey, we have a great idea. There's a plan. We'd like to build something really cool with you as a partner. We think CNN brings us great value. We have an idea that can help UCNN reach your audiences really effectively on our platform. And here's a plan where we could build it. And by the way, guess what? We can both make money while doing it. Of course we do. We do it in a heartbeat. But without that plan, without that partnership, it's not really a partnership. It's a short-term exchange of, I don't know, a little bit of money here and a little bit of content there. And that that's not to anybody's benefit. There's been a drumbeat of bad news when it comes to uh, Google and Facebook specifically this year. I mean, has there? Uh, <laughs> there has been. I mean, just uh, you know, the New York Times just uh, we're recording this right after the most recent sort of Facebook scandal. Um, and for now, it doesn't seem like it ever uh, affects them. Uh, and the, the New York Times actually followed up with um, advertisers who are outraged outraged and and then they're gonna of course go go right back to dumping all their money into not all their money but a lot of their money into facebook and Mm -hmm. google um do advertisers really care about this i think advertisers care about audiences advertisers care deeply about is their message being conveyed effectively to the people that they want to reach My, but they don't view having a social responsibility as part of um, putting together their advertising plans. No, they don't. Money talks, but I think it's different. I'm not talking about social responsibility. I'm talking about effectiveness. And if people don't trust the platforms where they're getting their information, then they don't trust the information that they're getting. And if they don't trust the information that they're getting, they don't trust the advertising that's around that. It's not a question of social responsibility. It's not a question of doing the right thing. If you break it down from a sheer business perspective, you have to wonder if after all of these stories, after reading that New York Times story, if a consumer of uh, soft drinks or potato chips or pharmaceutical product, whatever it is, if a consumer reading that New York Times story trust the platform that they're using. I would argue that with enough of those stories, there is less trust in those platforms from a user perspective. If there is less trust... But will that show up on the spreadsheet that's making all these decisions? Because uh, Facebook performs the best on on most spreadsheets. And so advertisers can act outraged uh, at the latest scandal. But at the end of the day, the spreadsheet is going to win. Well, yes, except those are the same advertisers that you mentioned before have questions about brand safety when it comes to news, right? So 
clearly they're asking questions and they're concerns about brand safety. Right. If they're concerns about the safety of their brand, ultimately advertisers have to care first and foremost about their brand. And if being associated with these kinds of stories hurts their brand, at some point that hurts the spreadsheet. Now, we've all been waiting for that moment to happen. I would argue that moment is a, seems to me to be a lot closer today yeah. than it was last year. Right. Okay, so 2019, we've been asking some people for uh, their own resolution. So for the it can be for the industry. It doesn't have to be personal um, for 2019. Look, I think the industry needs to serve, protect, and defend great journalism and great content. And the way to serve, protect, and defend great journalism and great content is by building exceptional user experiences, investing in product and technology. You know, because we talk about the platforms oftentimes as such disdain, there's this false construct, right, that there's a choice between content and technology. Mm-hmm. I'd argue, let's not cede technology to the platforms. Let's hire technologists. Let's hire engineers. Let's build great user experiences so we can deliver our yeah. great content to well, users. I mean, you could argue that the reason there is such a power imbalance is because the content creators have not been very good at creating good experiences for users. Um, I mean, we're seeing this with you know, the fact that it takes Google to cut down on the awful site experiences um, on many publishers that kind of says something. 100%. Look, I I tip my hat to the Washington Post and I personally thank Jeff Bezos for opening my eyes. Never met him, but I have to personally thank him. <laughs> okay. uh, He's a listener. so What he has done with the Washington Post, what the Washington Post has done in his era is tremendous. To me, I think that's the roadmap. They've invested heavily, heavily in award-winning journalism, in great coverage. We love competing with them and the New York Times, Mm -hmm. slugging it out every day for for scoops. But part of the secret of the Washington Post success has been in investing in the kinds of tools and capabilities and product and technology to completely reinvent their user experience. And that, I believe that that's the plan for the future, and I believe we as an industry have woefully underinvested, and I believe that's why the platforms have been eating our lunch. Great. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This show is produced by Aditi Songhal. Tell us what you think. Tweet at me. Um, I am at B. Morrissey or email me. I am bmorrissey at digiday.com and give me your feedback. Um, also, please take a minute to rate this podcast and review it for us. This helps people discover our podcast. If, if you leave a very uh, nice review, I'll read it here. Um, or tell a friend about this. We're always looking to expand our audience. Thank you again for listening, and we will be back next week with another great episode. Music